I'm Gemma Myrna and welcome to episode one of my brand new Mind and Wellness podcast. Over the next five episodes, we'll hear about experiences from a variety of guests and experts and I'll share some of my own stories, all with the aim to improve your everyday life. We'll have a focus on a variety of topics from fitness, nutrition and how living with conditions such as autism shouldn't become a barrier for growth and how a life coach can build confidence with just a few simple steps. In this episode, we'll look at stress. It's a word that's often thrown about in a casual way. But what exactly is stress? How does it build up and get to that boiling point we've all experienced? And how to reduce it or prevent it from starting in the first place? And it's with pleasure that we welcome our first guest, Saima, as we chat stress in greater detail. The Mind and Wellness Podcast with Gemma Murna. So, Saima, I am so excited for you to come on my podcast. So we've met probably a few months ago now and we have done a coaching course together. I was just blown away by the work that you actually do and the people that you help, the way you focus so much on stress. Um, and it's something I'm really, really passionate about. And I think the work that you do is incredible and just helping so many people. So I'd love you to just explain to our listeners what you do and, you know, how you got into it, really. First of all, thank you for, for inviting me on here. Um, to let you know what I what I do, I am a, a corporate health coach. Essentially, I work with companies that see the value in providing space and support for their workforce to talk deeply about the things that aren't working for them within their lives and are most probably affecting their performance, but more importantly, their health. You know, holistically, it could be a work thing, it could be a home thing, it could be, you know, they're not feeling well. Just a space to improve on those aspects and increase their human potential. Most recently, I've been doing that for the Financial Times. I'm really happy to be in this role yeah. that I'm in. I think it's amazing, and for the Financial Times as well, to employ somebody like yourself to come in and look after the staff, because I've worked in corporate. It is really, really hard. The demands are really hard. And when you're trying to work also with your home life, and then something happens, that's when the stress will hit you. And from my experience, it was, I was on a TV show, I was working so much, busy home life, and then my dad passed away really, really suddenly. And that's when my world just turned upside down. I didn't realize how much stress I was under already. And then that on top of it just made me spiral out of control. So I think it's wonderful that companies are looking to employ people and to look after their staff, their staff's mental health and well-being. What is the sort of thing that you would do when you go into Financial Times then with the client? Any client that I have, whether it's a corporate or, or private client um, that comes with stress, you know, a lot of the times it's as simple as, you know, I feel really stressed out. But what's interesting and fascinating to me is they come with, I just don't feel good. It could be I've got a, you know, a major workload. It could be I'm just not sleeping. You know, my stomach hurts. I don't see my kids. And this has been normalised, this level of output. It's an expectation, right? And that's the interesting part of the work that I do is that when I ask them the questions of, is this 
expected of you within your role, nine times out of 10, it's a self-inflicted expectation. You know, the type of work that I do is to help them unravel all of that. I think shine a light on their conditioned beliefs around the way that they work and these belief systems that have really grown from childhood and grown and it's now their behaviours that stem from that as an adult. And it, it could be people pleasing, it could be perfectionism, it's how it really manifests in their life now. That looks like people not being able to, to switch their laptops off or create boundaries around their work to see their family or create boundaries around their phone to engage with friends and family or themselves look after themselves enough. It's about shining a light on it and bringing some awareness around their behaviours and their thought processes that are connected to those. That's the coaching part of it. That's the helping them to open that up. I feel, and, yeah. and this is my opinion, we use the word stress really flippantly and don't really know exactly what we are stressed about. So that's where I think your coaching is really powerful about shining that light and where it's actually coming from. And the fact that a lot of these habits and beliefs have come from our childhood, or like you said, the perfectionism, that was something that I really struggled with. And I didn't have any boundaries as well in place for work because you want to do such a good job. You go over and above, but then that over and above does end up burning you out if you're not looking after yourself with all the other things, the self-care and, you know, the exercise, the meditation and, and things like that. So will you take us on to that, like what you suggest? Because I know this is where we have such a common interest, haven't we, with the mental gymnastics for your mind, doing the meditation, because that is key. Yeah, absolutely. The solutions, let's talk about the solutions and, and really, you know, helping people to understand their behaviours is the first step, behaviours that aren't working for them and are affecting their health. And then really giving them some insight and education around stress, like what happens in, in your body when you're stressed and putting it into the context of life. What are we actually up against? There's chronic stress, there's acute stress, there's high episodes of stress that we go through every day with our phones, you know, microdoses of stress that we just inflict onto ourselves from our phone, whether it's email, text, and then we have deadlines to hit. That's the acute stress. And then we have stuff running in the background of our lives that are causing chronic stress. A parent that's unwell or a marriage that is breaking down or, or the pandemic. Everything running all the time. And so helping these the clients that I have within the corporate setting is to give them some education on what happens in your body. Give them some education on what is the trajectory of stress if you leave it, if it's unmanaged and you normalize this as your life. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed. And that becomes your identity. And like you said, that leads to burnout. More importantly, that leads to, to inflammation and inflammation leads to chronic disease. So can you take us through exactly what happens? Because a lot of our listeners might not even be aware of what happens in the body when we are actually putting a lot of this stress on ourselves. So can you explain that to us? The stress response, you know, if you think about when we were early man, early woman, you know, the stress response is a potential threat or challenge. So, it, you know, in those days, it would, it would be an animal. Everyone's heard of the saber-toothed tiger analogy. But what happens in our body when we perceive a threat? So it's an emotional, it's us 
perceiving the threat, right? So whether it's a deadline or whether it's a fear or a worry, whatever it is that we think is a challenge or a threat, in our bodies, our muscles become tense, right? So all the blood rushes throughout to our muscles to provide us with the energy, with the capacity to fight or flight. What happens within our body is that all the other systems go on shutdown. So your immune system, your reproductive system, your digestion system, these all go on shutdown or let's say on a low mode because the body needs the energy to fight or flight. Once the animal is gone, let's say the animal runs away or falls off the side of a cliff and, you know, the mind perception is, oh, I'm safe again, the body comes back to regulation, everything comes back on, the muscles come back to baseline, right? In modern day, we never give ourselves an opportunity to come back to safety mode. We are just on all day through the day, accumulating all this stress from the moment we wake up, we pick up our phones we give ourselves these microdoses of stress. Then we try to get out the door and the kids, we're rushing them out the door or your partner and you get on the roads and there's traffic or you're getting on a tube and it's hard work. Then you get to work and you open up your emails and everybody wants a piece of you right now. That's more microdoses of stress. The deadline, the presentation, the conversation that you don't want to have. Plus you've got the chronic stress running in the background. We are, from the moment we wake up to the moment that we go to bed, we are just accumulating more and more stress. So when these people come to see the health coach, to see myself, it's because they're just hoarding, let's say, all this stress in their body. And it's that accumulation that leads them to physically not feel well. Because as I said before, you know, stored stress leads to inflammation and what does that look like that looks like chronic disease that looks like autoimmune disease that looks like bowel problems ibs arthritis it can even if really unmanaged it can cause cancer it's important to explain that i think so people get that understanding that you know just accepting that this way that they're working or this busyness this stressed feeling is their life it doesn't have to be that way and helping to teach them the tools to help them in the moment, and then to open up the conversation of how can we structure your day to support your nervous system. It's just the awareness, isn't it? It's putting the awareness out of if you don't get a better way of life, and if you don't tackle this stress, this is what's going to happen to you. And it is going to be very, very serious. And people do when they have like tummy ache or headaches or they just go, oh, it's fine. And then they'll just take a paracetamol or something. They don't realize sometimes that the stress is bringing it on. And I do think probably lockdown and COVID made people a lot more aware of what stress can do to your body and to your mental health. So I do think we've become more aware of it. I think people are starting to find more of a balance in their working life instead of going, well, my job is my life, so I have to do so many hours a week. That's what I've got to do. And I've got to work when I come home as well because I'm so scared of losing my job. People I've come across that people are trying their best to get more of a balance. But again, life gets in the way. People forget about themselves. And I find it with my clients. I give them everything. You know, we have mind and wellness. We have meditations, yoga. We have Pilates on there. We have everything you need, but people forget to do it for themselves because kids take over, you know, family life takes over, work takes over and everything else. And people put themselves last. And it's about filling your cup up. It's about putting yourself 
first, because if you don't look after you, how can you look after everyone else around you? My dad was under stress for about 20 years and I look back now and it was severe stress and he died of a heart attack very suddenly at 62. And I do believe stress brought it on. And he didn't get then exercise, then he ate bad. He didn't sleep well because he was working night. So I think the accumulation over 20 years caused him to have a heart attack. So I think this is why I'm so passionate about it. I want to get this out so much to people for it to resonate. So let me ask you this. What are the things that you advise your clients to do to help them with a stressful life? Um, I think, first of all, understanding your stress signals. How does it feel for you? What does it look like? Whether that's a raised heartbeat or anxiety, or you're not sleeping, you feel really tired, uh, you're overreacting, knowing when you're in the red. And then I think in the moment, being able to give yourself what you need. So whether that is, okay, I need to take some deep breaths. So some breath work. I teach my clients some really basic breath work, in for four, hold for four, out through the nose, longer, exhale, a real diaphragmatic breath. So push your belly out and deep breath, let the diaphragm come down and push your belly out like a balloon. Think about the balloon, hold and then out long. And, you know, five rounds of that, that will help your nervous system to bring you back into a space of safety. And in that moment, you have the opportunity to, I suppose, coach yourself, give yourself the words that you need to sort of undo the thought, you know, that threatening thought that you have in your mind of, I can't do this, or, you know, I haven't got time, or whatever it is. Give yourself some compassion, some motivation, some empathy, some kindness. You know, what would you say to a friend in that moment? The fighter of stress is exercise, in my opinion. There is, you know, when when you are stressed, that fight or flight we talked about, where your, your muscles are tense, you know, to process that stress held in your body, you need to move. You need to fight or flight. That's how the body processes that stress. There's a wonderful book by Amelia and Emily Nagoski called Burnout. And that's really where I understood these stress cycles that are within our body, where the perceived threat is. Physiologically, we do what we're meant to do, but then we do nothing with that stress. And, you know, we distract ourselves or we just carry on until the next stress comes in. And that movement that is literally us emptying our stress cups. That's why exercise is so powerful. And it doesn't mean hit the gym. It just means get up and move. So go for a walk get out and get some fresh air, go and make a cup of tea. Well, I'm glad you said that, Simon, actually, because I have had severe anxiety and I do everything I do at Mind and Wellness to, to help me. And that's why I wanted to share that with everybody else. But if I'm in a state of anxiety and my heart's racing and I'm at a million miles, if I then go to the gym and do something like a HIIT workout, it makes me ill. I have to do the opposite. So like you said, move, just even going out for a walk is better for me. I have realized over time, I can't do as much high intensity workouts now because it sends my heart rate up and it makes my anxiety worse. So what I can do, I can do walking, I can do a jog, I can do like spin bike, but I can do strength training and that's it. Tell me to do like 20 burpees and a HIIT workout. I am then ill. 
and then I physically get ill after a while. So then that's why I meditate and I do yoga. So I have to bring myself down. And it's just something that I've learned for myself and my own body over time and how it helps me with like anxious thoughts. Um, So yeah, I'm glad we've clarified that. Like it is just about moving into it. It doesn't have to be something big. It's just moving. Exactly that. And I think understanding, you know, things like yoga and, and meditation are very much, you know, the yin, right? They are uh, nervous system regulators. They bring us into our, if you imagine your nervous system, we have a sympathetic side and the parasympathetic side. And the sympathetic gets engaged when that perceived threat or challenge or worry, right? That's where the body goes into the tense and the other systems shut down. The parasympathetic side is the side that where we are calm, that safety mode, where we can be creative, we're in flow, we have rational thinking. And yoga and meditation, walks in nature, connection, that engages that parasympathetic side of our nervous system. Any sort of movement, whether it is the yin movement as you are, or whether it's a walk, or whether it is a run, you know, people run for therapy. It is a way to de-stress, you know, and that's really helping people to understand that we are not exercising to get abs. We are exercising to help our mental health. Yes, 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 I love that. And our physical health. Exactly. Yeah, they're so interlinked. Exactly, that was a big thing for me. When I see people in the corporate arena, it's the first question I ask them is, what are you doing for exercise? And more often than not, it's, I used to do this. And life has just got in the way. And now they are working so hard, they're managing kids, Some of them are, you know, getting up, getting the kids to school and then just glued to their screen. So it's really about teaching them that this is a prescription. This is the type of prescription that you want. This isn't the prescription that your GP is going to give you that you definitely don't want that prescription. Let's use these prescriptions of going for a walk in the morning, going for a walk even at lunchtime, break your day up, go for a little 10 minutes, whatever it is you know walk decide to walk to the shop do whatever you can to keep moving through the day so that you've got an opportunity to process the stress but also process allow your mind to rest from the work because the more we're in the game that focus we we can't work like that and that's perpetuating stress so step away from the screen And that reduces the stress within. Like you said, it's a prescription for yourself. It's took me a long time. I used to go to the gym and work out for a physical body. Now, what I do in my daily habits, so my mind feels better. So for instance, when I get up in the morning, first thing I do is meditate. And even if it's five, 10 minutes, doesn't matter how long it is. As long as you've had that little bit of time for you, get out for a walk, meditate either lunchtime or after work to close the day off. So then you're not then offloading your day to your partner or your kids or whatever it is. We need to switch off where I feel like the breath work, meditation, all those thoughts end up going and you realize, actually, I don't need to keep discussing this into my evening about what's happened at work or what's gone on in my day and then move. I think it is the best thing getting outside getting in the fresh air and just kind of moving your body on a walk. And again, that clears your mind so much, doesn't it? 
all these little things, even reading a book, like a couple of pages of a book takes you out of your constant thinking of this needs doing, that needs doing. Because we do, we live in very, very busy lifestyle now, but it's about what we can do for ourselves. And I think you've got to find your own prescription. That's exactly it. It's, you know, how are you going to start your day? How are you going to end your day? And that bit in the middle, what are we going to be doing in that bit that's going to help you to process the stress that you are taking on, right? And, you know, being able to help them to explore meditation. I know that you're very much into meditation, helping people to explore mindfulness meditation, helping them to understand the benefits and, you know, take away any of the misconceptions of I need to clear my mind and just making it really, really easily accessible. Connect the dots on how can we build resilience within ourselves? We have the tools for in the moment, do we have this structure that we can build for not only that, like, you know, we all know when we're going to go to the gym or when we're going to run, we have to plan it into our day, right, into our week. And it's the same with mental fitness. If we can structure our day with small pieces of the, the mental fitness puzzle that are going to keep us performing at the rate that we want to perform, having the relationships that we want to have, but also able to cope with the demands of life. Meditation is key to that. Exercise is key to that. Getting good sleep is key to that. I talk to my clients about not setting an alarm for a.m. It's setting the alarm for p.m. What time are you going to set that alarm to go to bed, to start winding down, to go to bed, to get good sleep so you can wake up fresh and start your day the way that you want to start it. Sleep is queen, right? Without having quality sleep, we are a shadow of ourselves, right? This idea of I'm just going to go to sleep at, you know, 11, 12 and wake up. Quality sleep comes from 9 to 12. That's the quality, quality sleep. That's when we are, you know, the rest and repair, the rejuvenation. That's when we are practicing and problem solving all the things that we were processing the day and I think set boundaries around work and sleep that is the foundation to starting your health journey because once that is in gear or sorted you have the opportunity to come at the next day from a place that is based in self-care that is what am I doing for me today how am I coming at today how am I coming at the world and first and foremost I come first that is I think the most powerful part of health coaching is is really helping people to acknowledge that they need to put themselves first the way that they are working at the moment is almost like a, a slavery to somebody else and it's not their baby it's not their thing but the trajectory of their health is sort of falling off because of it. Yeah, I agree. I think that all stems from the way that we've been brought up because I think we've been brought up to put ourselves last and look after everybody else. And I think we're making a shift and it's about putting yourself first. And it's not selfish to put yourself first and to look after yourself. We have to put ourselves first 
so we can then look after everybody else. It's a real thing that I've noticed with my clients this, it's like, well, I can't take the time out of my day to meditate or to go for a walk because, you know, in between working, I've got to pick the kids up or I've got to do the washing, I've got to, you know, clean round. You know, everyone's just been busy. People I speak to all the time and I say, well, have you tried meditation? Oh, I don't have time for that. And it's just brushed off and they don't realize how powerful having that in your day makes you. And it's not selfish to do something for you. And this is the thing, the whole thing about mind and wellness, why I did set it up is for people to kind of educate themselves and get into meditation and that self-care and looking after themselves first and kind of give them permission, give them permission to go, I know I need this for me because then I have a better day. And then I have a better week, a better year. And I'm kinder to myself. I'm kinder to my kids, to my partner. In work, I'm better. I'm performing better. And that's the sort of feedback I get all the time. But it's planting that seed and it's allowing people to take that time for them. Do you agree? It is. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think... You know, companies that are taking the the initiative to work with people like myself who really give the space and really the connection, having, you know, somebody to talk to deeply about this that isn't the GP that is going to, all power to GPs, but this is a space to talk about it on a level of getting to the root and finding, like I said, some prescriptions, some holistic prescriptions that they will, you know, heal thyself, basically. And allowing people to talk about what's going on and release that because you know that that stress that even from just connecting with someone deeply enough some being listened to being heard is so powerful people do struggle with this idea that I need to take care of myself first absolutely it comes from our conditioning it's about becoming aware and then working almost against it every day and that feedback that you are giving yourself on a daily basis that ripples into your life and it might be that you don't have enough time to meditate but you know there are some hacks I give a hack to my clients on when you brush your teeth in the morning and and at night that's two minutes in the morning two minutes at night use that as a mindfulness practice use that to just you know zone into the teeth brushing nothing else you know that's four minutes of of a mindfulness practice every day. There are ways that people who are, who don't have the time can start and reap some benefit. And that will, you know, open up conversations within themselves that maybe I need to do more. A mindfulness practice, you can start with five minutes and move up to seven, up to 10. Helping people to explore it, take away the stigma around it, make it palatable and digest it and understand it implement all of these things so it becomes habitual and you're working against those conditioned historic ways that you behave that just aren't working for you they are causing your body to signal the flag of we're in the red this isn't good I don't feel good and you might have a stomach problem you might have a psoriasis you might not be sleeping these are all you know signals that you're in the red and it's, it's time to do something about it as we were talking, this is a prescription for, for ourselves that we do holistically. Can you give us the statistics on how much stress is costing? Yeah, sure. I mean, after the pandemic, which was, what, a year ago, 
you know, I, I read a statistic that was 74% of the UK felt overwhelmed. And I definitely saw that in the people that I was coaching. Everybody felt burnt out or just felt really overwhelmed. A lot of people were sedentary and hadn't taken on board that actually it's movement that you need. They would wake up and just sit at a screen all day or they'd go to work and sit at a screen all day. And when it comes to the NHS, cost of stress of the NHS is, is somewhere like 71 million per year. I worked as a practice manager for a general practice. And, um, you know, back then we were digitalizing, it was digitalizing people's notes. They had this one system where practices and, and hospitals could all tap into this one system. And part of my job was to read people's notes. So from the day that they're born to that day, then what has happened. And I really saw what childhood, I'm going to use the word trauma, parents split up or you know some some social issues but I saw what stress looks like as they get older it could be that they've had some sort of issue at work and then you see the sort of demise of their health as they get into their 60s whatever has happened along the way when it comes to some sort of experience that causes trauma in their life and they are stressed or they're working hard hours or a partner is unwell what does stress look like what the end of that is that's chronic disease that's cancer so I really got an insight into this sort of chronological timeline of the human life and how much stress is a, is a killer it's a silent killer when it comes to employers poor mental health costs the UK employers up to 56 billion per year now that is a ridiculous amount and I think providing space now for your employees to come and talk to somebody about whatever it is that they are going up against that is holding them back from being their most vital selves at work or at home. It's so needed. You know, I feel very grateful that I'm in this movement of preventative healthcare. That's what it, it is. It's giving people the understanding and the tools to be able to help themselves with their stress rather than leaving it until they have to go to the GP to say, I don't feel well, and they're given a tablet, then they're on that medication journey. And I just want to say that my mum is a GP. So I've really had insight into what that journey looks like. And I feel very proud that I'm in the preventative healthcare movement now, you know, helping to empower people to look after themselves. Yeah, I think that's amazing because... I so relate to that because every client I work with, they start with me and when they finish with me or we're on the journey together, they are a completely different person from their energy, from the way they look, from how their life is unfolding and how they look at life as well. Just by implementing all these things that we've just talked about, but also kind of making them aware of what is actually happening to their physical body when they're putting themselves under stress, which a lot of people aren't aware of that. And just giving them space, giving them space in a coaching call for people to just talk and to be listened to, to have somebody else to work with. So I know how powerful coaching is and everything that you're doing and shining a light on that we can move forward to help ourselves. Because that's everything I did. I didn't go to the doctors when I was suffering with anxiety and stress and grief and depression. I actually 
thought, what can I do for me? And I've gone down the holistic route and that's why I do everything I do now because it really did help me out. But a lot of people turned around to me and said, oh, did you not just go to the doctors? I was like, no, I never actually thought about just going to the doctors. I thought I need to figure out what's wrong with me because for me, it was when my dad passed away, obviously it was a big trauma in my life. About three years later, one of my dogs got very poorly and I physically shook for 24 hours and I could not stop shaking and I was freezing cold. And that's when I went, there's something wrong here and I need to, number one, figure out what it is. And number two, that when stress happens in my life, because life isn't always going to be easy, things are going to happen, I need to be able to have the tools to cope with what's coming so then that's when I went more into it and started to discover what was really going on in my body and understanding the fight or flight response and, and how much stress can do to your nervous system because I was clueless. I didn't, honestly, I didn't have a clue what was going on. Thank you for the work that you're doing. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. thanks. I mean, I, I feel very grateful that I have ended in this place. I've had lots of different parts of my life that quite weirdly have ended in me me working in this role and I'm very passionate about it and I feel the impact of this work is crucial to be able to speak to people about you know this sort of stuff and I'm glad that there are companies such as the, the Financial Times and many others that are providing this level of care for their staff. I'm very passionate about what I do. I just want to ask you um, if somebody is listening to this and they go oh that actually is what I'm going through. And I didn't realise that. What can I do? What are the next steps you would say that someone can help themselves first, maybe before then getting a coach? You know, what would you suggest? Maybe just three steps that they can start implementing into their life? Sure. I would suggest that you take a look at how much exercise you're doing. Are you moving enough? Just looking at your week or looking at your day and seeing the day as how much am I moving? Do I sit at my desk all day? Because before we worked in offices all the time, there were those moments that people were, you know, walking to the station or walking from the station or getting up to make coffees or going out for lunch with friends. Those sort of days are, if you're working from home four days a week, as a lot of people are, you can get up and you can sit at your desk for very long periods of time and not actually get up. And so look at how much movement you're doing within your day-to-day. -day. I would look at your sleep. Look at sleep. When are you going to bed? What sort of quality sleep are you getting? When are you turning the phones into aeroplane mode or sleep mode, whatever it is? Stop scrolling and get into bed. And get out into nature. Go for a walk in nature with a friend. Have a deep conversation with your friend about how you're feeling about life and go for a walk and you know it's just about getting away from our screens getting away from netflix you know from whatever it is that we are using to distract ourselves from feeling what we're feeling and that's really what it is isn't it the stress is us not processing our emotions and not processing that stress that we have inside and so if we can get good sleep if we can exercise and we can get out into nature and connect with our friends or family and talk 
talk therapy, mm. you know, that's really where it's at. Oh, totally. And then you'll just become like me, a tree hugger. That's what I do now. <laughs> <laughs> I never used to. Now when I go out walking, I'm like, I'm like one of those people. I'm like, I have to touch the tree. But if someone sees me, I'm not sure they're going to think I'm normal. <laughs> so I'm like, I touch the tree. But honestly, I never thought I would be like this. But the more I've got into it, I actually touch the tree now and can feel the energy from it. I'm like, okay, I'll just kind of move closer to the tree. <laughs> it's, um, it is, it's a journey. And the more you get connected to yourself and the more that stress just doesn't bother you as much, you just let things go that might have stressed you out one time. And that's why I just wanted to do this podcast and shine a light on the word stress and how much we use it and do we use it in the right way and what can we do to help ourselves with it. So, um, so yeah, I, I just thank you so much for coming on because... Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. So we could talk all day, couldn't we? Because it's our, it's our passion. We could actually talk all day about this, but... We could talk all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if somebody is uh, really interested in the work that you do, where can they find you? Um, you know, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Simon Morgan underscore health coach. I'm also on LinkedIn, Simon Morgan this is something that you or your company would be interested in and I do workshops as well around stress then definitely get in touch and thank you for having me I really appreciate it and it's been lots of fun no problems at all just thank you for yeah sharing your work and your passion with me um so yeah thank you so much the mind and wellness recap so that's episode one complete and how wonderful was that chat it's worth noting that by simply brushing your teeth to stay in the present moment, getting enough sleep and also getting outside for that daily walk in nature, all are a good base point that will help prevent stress or make it more manageable. For further help and guidance, the NHS website via nhs.co.uk has stress-busting tips for the everyday life. Next time, we'll move our focus to health, fitness and nutrition with the help of Stephen Gordon from Gym on the Square, Edinburgh. With over 15 years experience in his field, Stephen will share tips on how moving your body can move your mind into a more positive place and how important it is to put the correct fuel into your body to make it run like clockwork, but with the right balance for you and your lifestyle. Search at Mind and Wellness UK on Instagram and TikTok for more tips and advice and exclusive content. See you next Monday for episode two of the Mind and Wellness podcast. Take care. Get exclusive content, help and advice on Instagram and TikTok. Search at Mind and Wellness UK.